Welcome to the Stop Down Photography Podcast, episode 95. I'm Scott Davenport. In this episode, let's talk tips for a more productive landscape field workflow. Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining. I'm glad to be back with you for another chat about photography, this shared passion of ours. And in today's episode, let's take one more step on our never-ending journey of photography. Landscape photography requires persistence and a healthy dose of patience. The photographs can't be rushed. The setup and composition take time. We often need to wait for nature to reveal its beauty. Yet there are things we can do to streamline workflow in the field, and that is the topic for today's podcast. If you enjoyed the Stop Down Photography Podcast, please share it with a friend on social media, with your camera club, and if you can, please rate and especially review the podcast in Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Reviews keep the podcast on the charts and help other photographers find out about the show. You can also leave a rating via the web at podchaser.com, links in the show notes. If you heard the last few episodes of the podcast, you know I have a single photo goal for 2022, shoot more. And six weeks or so into the year, I have not been doing well toward that goal. So last Sunday, as I record this, uh, it was yesterday, I set out to correct this unfavorable trend. I hadn't been to the San Diego coastline in quite a while, So I ducked out in the early morning hours to take in a sunrise. Uh, Sunrise is a generous term there. Uh, Strictly defined, yes, the sun did appear above the horizon, but that's about it. Imagine the most boring sunrise you can, and that's what I had. But nevertheless, I was out, camera in hand, to capture some images. And I was also time-constrained. Some other responsibilities later that morning meant I just couldn't linger around at the beach. So I needed to be on point during this outing. And I was. Over the course of just under an hour, I left with two photos I like, I'm happy with. And as I was driving back, I thought about how I had approached the outing, the things I did to streamline my workflow in the field. So when it came time to be patient, to wait for nature, in this case the ocean, to do its thing, that I wouldn't have to be rushed. I thought, hmm, that seems like a good topic for the podcast, so here we are. So I have four tips to share with you. Four tips to more productive landscape photography. You ready? Of course you are. So here we go. Tip number one, look first. Real obvious, right? It seems obvious, and so often we don't do it. When you first get on location, Resist the urge to bust out the camera, the tripod, set up shop. Instead, have a look around. Take stock of the location. Ask yourself some questions. What makes the scene interesting? What's unique about this location? What's interesting and unique right now, given the current conditions? Is it the sky? Is it the foreground? Is it both? Walk around a little. Just looking. Not through a viewfinder, just looking with your eyes. You know, explore the space. Now, if you've pre-visualized your outing, consider that as you explore, but also consider what nature and the location is offering you at that moment, because the two don't always align. Your pre-visualization 
may not match the conditions you have in the field. Let me use my visit to uh, La Jolla last week as an example. Is there are some things you can quote-unquote look at before getting to location, weather forecasts, and in my case, tide and wave charts. So the weather forecast, I knew before going the sky was going to be empty and boring. Every forecasting app I looked at showed clear skies. And this was the evening before. You know, and the closer the forecast is to the time you're going to be on location, you have higher confidence that the conditions the apps are telling you are, are going to be true. So we also checked the tide charts, and I knew that the tide would be high right around sunrise. So the higher tide suggests I'll find more interaction between rocks near shore and the incoming waves. And speaking of waves, I also knew wave heights were predicted to be pretty low, like a foot or less. So smaller surf, hmm, less drama happening at the shoreline. So even with that proactive approach, thinking about, all right, I've got a pretty boring sky. I'll need more in the foreground. I'll be looking for some wave interaction and ocean interaction with rocks near the shore. When I got on location, I needed to start looking around, and, and I spent time watching the surf, how the waves were hitting the rocks, how they weren't. Uh, I knew that the sky was going to be not a major part of the, the framing, and I ended up visiting three beaches before I went back to my car to get my camera bag. So really resisted the urge to set up shop by leaving the gear somewhere I couldn't reach it while I was scoping around. Now, that's not always possible if you have to hike someplace. Obviously, you want to bring your gear with you. You don't want to hike in, you know, a couple of miles to look around, hike back a couple of miles, get your gear, and so forth. But, uh, resisting the urge to grab the camera. So that's tip one. It's just, just look around. Take stock of the location. See what it's offering you that particular day. Tip number two is take handheld test shots. Once you've looked around, you've found a few potential compositions you can work with, take test shots and do this handheld. Don't concern yourself with the filters and the longer exposures just yet or anything you might be doing with uh, like the artistic approach to these potential compositions. You're still in scouting mode. And you want to do this handheld because working handheld is just way more nimble. You aren't fiddling with your filters, recalculating exposure time, adjusting tripod legs, you know, none of that stuff yet. The handheld work is measured, don't get me wrong. You're thinking about the compositions as you take them, but you're rapid. You're trying out broad compositions. You're not aiming for the perfect composition or the perfect exposure. When I'm grabbing test shots, uh, I'll often just go to aperture priority, put it at f8, let the camera do the rest. Because I, I don't even care if I have the right depth of field for the scene. Like everything has tack sharp focus for a test shot. You know, even if there's low light and there's camera shake and the test shots aren't in focus, no problem. It's like making a sketch, like a rough outline of the scene. Right? Don't, don't sweat the technical details just yet. And be varied with your test shots too. A few test shots of one composition move to the next composition. A few more test shots. Move and repeat. Move and repeat. On my last outing, 
I started with the edge of a reef where the incoming wave was just like push over the top and bleed into the foreground, like pop, 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 take a few test shots, turn, did some sweeps of the coastline, pop, 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 another set of test shots. I moved down the beach a little farther, found a grouping of foreground rocks, pop, pop, pop. You get the idea. This is rapid, uh, but measured. You know, there's a good balance between thinking about the composition, taking a few shots, and moving on. You're not doing spray and pray. Now, once you've got those test shots, you review them on your camera's LCD, right? Yes, you get to chimp. You look through what you just took, decide which one is the strongest composition of the set, the one with the most potential. And as you're reviewing that, at least for me, I'll, I'll look at them thinking about, all right, what might I do with filters here? Or what might I do with how uh, something that's moving through the frame would be, uh, be changing or look differently? Because remember, your test shots are probably at faster shutter speeds. Now for me, like 1 60th of a second is, is kind of fast. Uh, you know, maybe that's at slow for, for other shooters, but for me, that's a fast exposure. But the point is, Think about how the scene will look once you set up your tripod, add your filters, really dial in your photo. If you shot at f8, but you're envisioning a deeper depth of field, well, ignore the out-of-focus area as far as it being out of focus. Do the elements of the composition look good? Uh, if the test shots are at high ISO, you know, ignore the noise. If uh, there's motion that you expect to be in your final photo, like a you know, stream or clouds moving through the sky, think about how those will look and mix with the fixed elements in your composition. And once you've got that, you're ready to move on to the next stage. But tip two is take handheld test shots. Then tip three, make the small adjustments. You've got your candidate composition, now you refine it. You make the small adjustments. You're still working handheld. Again, handheld is more nimble. As soon as you plant tripod legs, smaller adjustments take more time. Now you won't eliminate the need for small adjustments once your tripod's set up, but the closer you can get to the strongest composition handheld, the more streamlined your field workflow is. So experiment and refine. You're working that one composition, your strongest composition, raise the camera up a little bit, crouch down a little bit, get those higher and lower angles, take steps to the left, to the right. Maybe you try getting a little closer with a wide angle, exaggerating the foreground, or doing the reverse, stepping farther back, reaching in with a zoom. Push and pull the interaction of the elements in the scene because the different angles, vantages, focal lengths, they all change the dynamic of the subjects in the frame. Using my experience last Sunday, uh, my grouping of rocks uh, was among like ocean smooth sand, and that was the most interesting to me. I got back there, and I started with the camera at about chest level. That worked pretty well. Angling downward improved the composition, you know, minimizing the dull sky, and leaving a bit of the ocean in the background just to be context. As I, I tried some comps with just the rocks as more like an abstract, it wasn't strong enough. Uh, the main adjustment I did though was taking a couple of steps to the left and then pivoting ever so slightly to the right. It created a much more pleasing progression of the rocks from foreground to background. 
that little adjustment really changed the dynamic of the frame. So tip three, make the small adjustments. It's a second handheld pass at your prime candidate composition. And then finally, tip number four, plant the tripod and break out the filters. Now you're ready to really set up your kit. The tripod comes out, mount your camera on the ball head, dial in the camera settings, your aperture, your exposure compensation, you add your filters, calculate your exposure time, you know, all the things we do with our landscape photos. And you might still make small adjustments. That always happens. But these are tiny things, usually just with the ball head, maybe something slight with the tripod legs, but they don't take a lot of time because they're small. And then patience, right? You wait for the light, the sway of a tree, the swirl of water, the decisive moment for a landscape, all the things that landscape photographers do. When I'd set up on my chosen set of rocks, I had to wait for several rounds of waves to roll across the sand, swirl around the rocks. Some were a little too strong and they'd cover the rocks too much. Others were too weak. It took several rounds of tide swells and variations on my timing to trigger the shutter at the right moment to get a sweep of water that I liked. But all in all, I was more productive because of the test shots and really working without the tripod first. So to recap those four tips, number one, look first. Number two, take handheld test shots. Number three, make the small adjustments, and that is still handheld. Then number four, plant the tripod and break out the filters. As you put these into practice more, that handheld work, it only takes a few minutes, and you get to the business of creating your primary photos faster and in the end, you have more productive landscape outings. A little studio news for you, an update on the Big Sur experience. This is my one and only landscape photo workshop this year, happening May 9th through 12th, 2022. The photographers joining me on this four-day workshop received their workshop handbooks this past week. I like to provide a handbook with each workshop I run. It has things like a gear checklist to help you choose the type of equipment to bring, recommendations on clothes to pack, jackets, footwear, you know, hat and gloves, whatever we might need to stay comfortable in the field. Also a description of the typical workshop day. When are we at at location? When are we back at HQ working on photos? And of course, a list of some of the locations we'll visit during our time together in Big Sur. If you are registered for Big Sur and you didn't catch the handbook, check your email. It is there waiting for you. And there is still one space open in this workshop, and that seat could be yours. The Big Sur Experience, it runs Monday, May 9th through Thursday, May 12th, 2022. The workshop cost is $1,695. That's a full four-day workshop, personalized field instruction, post-processing coaching, any park admission fees required, and the opportunity to immerse yourself in photography with a group of passionate photographers. It, it's always so much fun to just hang out with other photographers for a bunch of days. Now, if this sounds interesting to you, 
check the show notes. There is a link to the workshop page. It has all the details on the workshop, how you can register. The Big Sur experience. And hey, if you can't make this workshop but know a photographer who might be interested, let them know about it because, you know, what goes around comes around. I've been able to attend workshops and events because a photographer friend let me know about them. And down the line, I've done the same. When I hear about a workshop or event and go, ooh, I know who would really enjoy this, fire off a text, fire off an email, and we're helping each other out. And if you listen to this podcast, you follow my work on YouTube, you know me by now. I'm all about sharing knowledge, connecting as photographers, and growing our craft together. That'll wrap up this episode. Thanks, as always, to everyone that supports the show through reviews in your favorite podcast app, ratings, sharing the podcast, your comments and emails. It, it's always appreciated. And, and it's like it's fuel that feeds the engine of the show. It keeps me excited to come back and do another episode. If you're interested in learning about different ways to support the podcast, and many of them, if not most of them, are zero cost, check the show notes. There is a link there, or if you're listening on the web, you'll see a support the show button on every page of stopdownpodcast.com. So get on out into the landscape, put some of these tips into action, streamline your workflow, and you'll come away with more shots you're happy with on your next outing. And until next time, my name is Scott Davenport. Have fun.